Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health and mindset, inside and out. With your hosts, Steve Katarzy and Bryn Jenkins. Wow. We're already over halfway through 2018. And to think of the beginning of the year, we turned on the Adaptation mics for the first time. And it's been a great ride so far, 34 episodes in. We're really enjoying the process. We're loving just having to having the opportunity to chat and understand things at deeper levels and have you coming along the ride with us. Thank you sincerely for all the support, the words of encouragement, and really fueling our efforts over the last six months. In today's episode, we decided to go back to a foundational concept of going to the gym, and it's something called progressive overload. Some of you may know what this is already, but for many, you either don't or don't fully respect and understand the significance of a progressive overload. In its absence, you will not make progress in the gym, or at best, you'll make some random progress, but you won't be in control. And I know that too well because I've spent many, many years doing random shit in the gym and getting no results at all in terms of changing my body. So in the spirit of helping lift your gym IQ and giving you those tools to develop the body that you desire, we are going to get into the nuts and bolts of progressive overload. In particular, what is it, how it relates to everyday life, um, how to make sure you are progressively overloading, the progressive overload formula, as well as six key ways you can you know, configure and manipulate to ensure that you are progressively overloading from week to week. But before that, we do get into a bit of a chat for about 20 minutes or so about Bryn's exciting and great big group holiday he just had in Spain. We had 10 of his friends over uh, and now having a great time, sun, sea, poolside antics. But he also had quite a stressful last couple of days. It was pretty dramatic. So listening to how his holiday went and perhaps some lessons you can take away from that. Guys, I hope you enjoy this discussion and feel free to send us any comments if there are any things unanswered. Cheers. Adaptation. Talk to me, man. How was this holiday? Yeah, it was, it was, we had a great time. However, the last two days ended up being a bit of a nightmare. Where did you go? Um, so we went to, um, in Spain, Calpe. I don't know how they pronounce it, if it's Calp or Calpe. Um, but it was a lovely little... Um, I think it was, a, I don't know if it was a town or a city. There's high rises, so I'd imagine it's a city, um, which is near Alicante. Actually, it's slightly north of Benidorm, um, which is probably about another 20 minutes on. So, okay. yeah, it was, it was a lovely little... Just you and Lisa? No, there was 10 of us. We all stayed in the villa. 10? Yeah, so... Not kids, these are all grown-up people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we call them adults. <laughs> So ten people, like five couples. Yeah, there's yeah, we're all pretty much coupled up. So okay, yeah, and so then, and and what? How was the? How was the setup? Like all in one massive villa or multiple yeah, villas? We, yeah, we just got a big because the thing is, when you get a big group of you, you can get an amazing villa for like next to nothing. So we're like, well, let's all chip in and get a lovely villa. And it was on the side of a hill overlooking. It's almost like a peninsula. So we're up on a hill and we're looking across all the other villas, and then. Beyond the village, you can just see the city, which is a bay. 
because it's it's like kind of like Barcelona. The city's right up against the the beach. Yeah. And it's almost like a big bay, like a cove, and it whips round, and you can see all the high rises and the buildings. And then at the end of that, there's a huge rock. I can't remember what the rock is called, but it's it's, it's a huge rock that you can climb and. Apparently the views are amazing. We, I want to go back and do it because we didn't get around to it. Um, but that's what we can see from our villa, and it looked absolutely stunning. Nice. Um, the we only you saw, wait for a week. Yeah, only a week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So ten Not of you enough. in one house. Yeah. I guess like one communal area, one kitchen. Yeah. Uh, to... It was a bit of a funny. Um, it was it was a three story villa. Um, oh well, wow. and it was like built into the hill, so the front wow, the front good, drive man. was actually on the top floor because it was at the back of the house where it was built into the hill. You go through the front door and then you work your way down through the villa. Um, top floor had a kitchen, the middle floor had a kitchen, and the bottom floor had a kitchen. They oh, all right. had kitchens, yeah. Okay, they all had so kitchens. you're not you weren't all in each other's space. No, but um, okay. the the one downstairs was the beer fridge because it was right next to the swimming pool um <laughs> and then yeah we had all the all our food and everything on the top floor because that okay. was the best kitchen so yeah it was cool i mean it's just no 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 um bust ups no no we're the thing is when you go away um and you go away away with the right people and there's no bad eggs you know you just have such a great time yeah. like at the end of the week you go it couldn't have gone any better like in terms of who you were with because oh, that's you just great. had such great I mean, time it can, it can it can get a little bit frosty at times when yeah. you know it i liken it to having to live with your mum and dad when you haven't done for a while yeah yeah right when you go and live with your folks when you're now a grown-up person yeah <laughs> and you've got your own independence and you do things in your own little way yeah and for whatever reason you have to go back to live with them and you realize that you know one <laughs> they still work. treat you like you're yeah. their kid and they and you feel like you have to take take on the kid role again because yeah, you're yeah. back home and two like you're you're way of living is now different yeah yeah do you know what i mean and like you can't i i struggle to be me and be my manly self (laughs) when i'm in this kind of subordinate role yeah having to live at home now being the kid again so do do, do you not get a sense of like conflicting um lifestyles and needs and people i want to do this i want to wake up at this time i want to do these things whereas Others want to do things in a different way, and you're trying yeah. to reach consensus. Or you, did you not have that? No, we didn't. We didn't really have that. But the only reason is because we're all laid back. Like no one really, you know, some people you didn't have a plan. Up. Yeah, we we you know we pretty laid back with our plans for the week. So um, although we went out and did stuff, we um, some people would wake up earlier, some people would wake up later. Um, food wise, you know, some of us would go more towards sort of eating slightly healthier some wouldn't but on a whole we're all pretty laid back so we didn't actually have too much like we didn't really have any turmoil um where they could oh, that's be good, man. which is good but um because yeah, because we... i find um sometimes with the crowds because i've done a couple of like bigger holidays where yeah. it's been either with family or with friends and there's this kind of there's almost this expectation you're all going to reach consensus because you're on holiday together yeah and it would be, you kind of feel that we should be doing everything together. Yeah, yeah. And one person takes a leadership role, whoever it is, like he's that person's either nominated yeah. or they just take it. And then everyone looks to that person to come up with a plan. Yeah. Where are we going for dinner? Where are we going for lunch? <laughs> Where are we going? Where do you buy the tickets? Who do you go speak to? And one person bears the brunt because they've kind of shown yeah. some leadership. And then that consensus-driven need for us all to be doing the same thing yeah. can get in the way when... Like you feel you should be doing the same things, 
but you don't want to. Yeah. But you didn't have any. Well, then. well, no, we d- you do notice, or I noticed this when I was on holiday, um, that there is, a, you fall into a pecking order. And mm-hmm. one of the lads, he he always naturally just tends to take the lead because he, I don't know why, he doesn't doesn't want it or anything. Or it's not because we nominate him, but he just naturally Seems falls to, fall to him. Yeah, I yeah. think he's just a proactive person and he just gets on and goes, right, I want to do this sort of dinner tonight and I'm going to cook it. And everyone's like, yeah, great idea. And kind of just ends up taking the lead on certain things. So, but I think, you know, if you get people in, in the group that is jealous or doesn't like it or doesn't agree, then that's when you have turmoil. But mm. if everyone's laid back and they're like, yeah, cool, you know, whatever, like then it just works. Doesn't that, that, it? I can, I can imagine that working. If no one's got, there's no yeah. pressure on the system. Exactly. Like everyone's just going to ha- have a laugh. And if, if the plan doesn't turn out, Hey, we're cool. Yeah. We're on holiday. Yeah. Oh, cool, <laughs> man. So you, it was all good. Yeah. So like I said at the beginning, the last two days didn't go quite to plan. Right. Um, so we had a lovely week and then the last, the second to last day we were, we were about to go to, so we we're around by the pool. Um, we're playing card games and whatnot. And, um, we were going to, we we're, we said, right, in an hour's time, we're going to go and go to the waterfalls. There's waterfalls locally that you can go swimming in and stuff. It was absolutely beautiful. But just before we went to go get ready to go there, um, we could hear screaming from our neighbours. And you know when you hear screaming and you're like, that ain't good. Like, Mm-mm. something's going wrong. Like, it's not like they're Adult just having screaming. a... Yeah, like, it's not like a, 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 a disagreement or an argument. It's someone's screaming because something's, like, not right. Right. And I heard it, and we're all talking, and we kind of all stopped when we heard it. But then we carried on talking and then we heard it again. But a couple of of um, our group were, or one of them was in the house and a couple of the others were sort of halfway up the, the driveway about to walk towards the front door because um, we were obviously about to go get ready, right? And uh, they shouted down, we're being robbed. And then we all just got up and legged it up the drive. And um, someone had been in the house when we were down by the pool and no. came in the house through the top floor because that's obviously the front door up there. Yeah. Um, so what they'd done is a car had pulled up. This woman had got out, opened our gate, walked through the front drive, jumped over my balcony, my Elise's balcony, came through our door, walked through our bedroom, didn't take any of our stuff. My watch was on the side, our phones, we, you know, everything was on the side, our camera. Walked through our bedroom to the back of the house still on the top floor but to the back of the house i th- or we think that that's because they wanted to look over the balcony because they could hear us and they were just checking we were down there still um that's the only sort of conclusion we could come to and then in the back room she went behind the door and took a couple of bags which had like cash in it and clothes and you know all the sort of standard sort of holiday stuff that you'd have on you um but then our friend, he was on the middle floor at the time. He was in his bedroom and he shut the door behind him. And we think that startled her and then she ran out. But the screaming was coming from our neighbours who had watched her do this the whole time. No. Yeah, so they were behind us. So they were kind of like opposite our villa. And they their villa was high up. So they were kind of looking down onto our villa. And they just so happened to be looking out. And they were just looking out. But they, because they've had their villa for like 14 years, they know this happens. Oh, wow. Um, so they're always kind of on the lookout. And then they saw this car pull up and someone get out. And jump through the balcony. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a bit or, suspect. Or actually, no, sorry. The story was she didn't get out of the car. She She walked down the road. And then she came in the villa and they thought, why is she on her own? Like, maybe she come 
from the beach, but they were like, it's a bit unsafe for her to be on her own, even though it's in broad daylight. And they thought it was one of us, so they didn't say anything. Yeah, yeah. But carried on watching. Then when Will on the middle floor shut the door and she obviously went running out with bags in her hand, they knew. And then a right. car pulled up and picked her up. Right. And that's when they were screaming. We all went Fucking running hell, out man. and this car's driven off. So they're gone. So you didn't you again didn't get to clock them or, or No, stop we them. didn't no. And the police Fucking didn't hell, care. Man. They were like, Was your gate unlocked? And we're like, Yeah. And they were like and was you your know. door was your door open? Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And they were like, it's your fault kind of thing. Um and they don't did care. They, did they did they walk away with much? Uh no, just like cash and clothes some, and stuff. Some so stuff we can claim back. So nothing that was of real It wasn't your stuff though. No, so you're, no you're fine. Yeah, they, they came through our room, didn't take any of our stuff. Um, but I think she was gonna go from the back room with the and bags just work, and just work away through. Fill up, yeah. Damn. I, it just it wasn't so much I know it wasn't my stuff, so uh, you know it's easy to say. But I mean, they're going to hopefully claim it back in insurance. But it's not so much the stuff that they stole, but the fact they were in the house when we were there. Like it's just it takes it, some balls to, yeah, to like, do that, right? Yeah, and it's just it kind of it's violating, and it's of like thinking it someone's in a house. And and the weirdest or the, the worst thing is, is that she went through our, over our balcony, through our room, past the front door to the back of the house. So she was really she was trapped because. If you were coming from the middle floor to the top floor, you would have come up the stairs, and the stairs come up in front of the front, front door. Front door, so you so would have you would have blocked her exit. You would have blocked her exit yeah. because that's where the bedroom that she came through was as well. So it's a complicated my, house to explain over a podcast. I know, I but. know. But if you just imagine, <laughs> the exit is by the front yeah, door, yeah, right? Yeah, Without yeah. the bedroom or whatever. But if someone had come up the stairs, like one of the girls just going to the, to the kitchen to grab some food, and she was there, and you were. Yeah. Just happened hey, to be take some balls, man. If you were trapping her away, she had a knife on her. Like it's just, mm. and we were seconds, like seconds, it's like thirty seconds away from being in the house to get ready. So we would have bumped into her. She had a knife on her because police were like, "Did she have a gun, machete?" Because they usually do. So apparently they're it, bloody. Hell. Yeah. So how, how? What was the mood after that? Was everyone? Did it kind of take? Yeah, I think adrenaline was rushing because we all legged it. We, you know, we ran out and we ran down the road. I mean, good job we didn't catch them because you don't know how many of them were in yeah, the car. Yeah, true, true. Um, but adrenaline was going. And then after the adrenaline, we kind of like, you know, checked everything. And when we realized what they'd taken and realized actually we could claim this on insurance, you know, it is what it is. Um, so, you know, we were fine. And then we went to the... Were the women the, on edge a bit, like, for the yeah, remainder of the holiday? Well, me and Lisa were on edge the last two nights because it, it was our bedroom they came through. Right. So we had a balcony door, which we would have open at night, um, which meant that we could no longer have it open. Mm. Um, well, we didn't the first night. We, we closed it and it was so hot in the room. Um, but even, <laughs> Fuck it, get yeah, burgled, it's too hot. Yeah, the next day we're like, just open it, like, it's too hot. But yeah. you're you're constantly waking up because you're, like, yeah. hearing noises and imagine, stuff. Man. Him, fuck's coming through the door. Like, oh, that's 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 a rub, rubbish. You yeah. never you never want anything like that on a holiday. Well, that's man. the thing, right? So then the next day, it meant we spent half a day in the police station trying to get a crime reference number because it's they just Spanish takes, police as well. Yeah, it takes so long, it's so slow, and they don't care. Yeah. So we spent half a day in the morning doing that. Then we went to the beach, and then driving home from the beach, um, we were driving back, and we stopped at Zebra Crossing. A motorbike came up the back and just smashed straight into the back of us are you kidding me yeah so then we spent another 40 minutes inside the road <laughs> no trying to speak to someone that doesn't speak very good english sort paperwork out so this was a hired car and they 
high car. They just they were they just crashed into the back of your yeah, your just vehicle. hit into the back of us. They just they didn't, didn't see you stopping. No, it's a Harley, and he has son on the back, oh, and mate. he didn't. He, we heard it skidding before it hit us. Hit us. Um, but the, the roads are so warm that it's almost not grippy. Yeah. Um, and he just said like it's, it's he just bad. couldn't break in time and hit the back of us and yeah. So was his was his, was his Harley just mashed up because they yeah, usually are right? Yeah. Bikes just crumple. It wasn't. It wasn't too bad, but he had to get it picked up. Yeah. So, Wheel, yeah. Wheels would have been Wheel was off out of shape and, and all that. Yeah. Oh fair man. Stuff. So Bloody it hell. just meant that that neck that. <laughs> The second to last day we got burgled, and then the last day meant that we yeah, were just sorting stuff grief. out, oh, which man. kind of like you know, but uh, you know, that's what happens on holiday, isn't it? You well, know? Well, no, it's not, not, it's always, not the but, default, but yeah, I suppose. But these things can happen yeah. because you're in a new environment and you're vulnerable, so um, yeah, bloody just, hell, man. yeah, but we, but you, you still have fond memories for, for the most oh, part. Oh, yeah, I mean, it didn't put down on it really because we just had such an amazing time that everyone left feeling like you know they had holiday blues so and look the reality is like you can't you can't control every aspect of your life right these things are both random and chaotic yeah. and out of your control and you hope they don't happen to you and you try to take precautions yeah. generally speaking but close your doors if i'm honest uh every holiday i've ever been on yeah we've been incredibly lax yeah when it comes to security I oh mean, yeah Okay, when we leave, we'd lock the front door, but not necessarily if we're in the house. Mm -hmm. And usually these doors are they're openable from the outside. Yeah. And then, as you say, you open windows, you maybe open the back, the back doors because, you know, you're going in and out of the, the apartment. That was That's the norm, right? You just, the thing, you just think it? it's yeah, yeah. safe. You think it's safe. Well, we were that's in cool. this lovely sort of complex full of villas, like, and they're all lovely villas, right? And you think, oh, it just feels nice. It's it just feels safe. It's yeah. like very residential. Um to then be robbed you're like oh god like can happen can happen anywhere but because it's a maze a maze of roads they can just hide and get away mm. quickly but like you say we were really relaxed and i actually almost imagined or envisioned it happen before it happened so no. we left our balcony door open every day all day yeah it's probably not the best thing to do right but like i said when you're there you don't think oh we're gonna get robbed because it, it seems safe enough and uh, we had a big gate on the front of our driveway. So we were going down to the swimming port on the bottom floor. And I would, I did think in my head, if someone wanted to, they'd come through the front drive, jump over onto our balcony, come through our door and go. You, was, go you actually stuff. had a and bit I of a actually, premonition almost. Yeah, and oh I, almost, I thought that, but only to myself briefly yeah, yeah. at the just beginning little... and i thought ah, it won't happen and then wow. and then it, and then it did Damn. and it just you just go shit these things do happen they, they... god that's like uh, was it it's not the matrix what's that film with tom uh, cruise final... oh no i know what you mean. no um uh, i'm thinking of where where he's got that screen in front of him and they can he's got this this woman who can see the future and she can see crimes happening Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't remember the name now. It's, it's, it's going to bug me for the rest of this discussion. Is it Final Destination as well? Is that, is that where they predict, like, that's, someone Yeah, that's a little bit similar. Yeah, and it so, happens. I was like, oh, God, it's a bit like that. But, but yeah, it's a bit like that, right? You can see, into the, you can see future crimes. You should go and, like, work for one, one of these, one of these like, crime scene investigators and go and, go and stop people committing crimes yeah. before they do it. Like, yeah, yeah. I know that guy is about to be doing something naughty. Do you know what, though? Like, I get <laughs> I get these weird moments, right? I don't know if you've ever had it. So when we went to... A good example was when we went to Villamora in Portugal, just me and Lisa. And um, 
I said to her at the beginning, beginning of the holiday, we're going to see someone famous. I don't know why. I don't know where I've got this from, but I just feel like we're going to see someone famous. She was like, all right, okay. And then, um, yeah, we went, we were walking through the harbour in Villamora and, um, oh, what's his, the defender from, um, he plays for Chelsea and, and also the England team. And um, I can't remember his name now, but anyway, we saw him in the restaurant. Not and I was Terry. like, oh. Uh, no, I, I can't remember his name now. I'm not a huge football fan, so, and and I recognised him and I said, "Oh, that's uh, thing Tiggy." And then then not she didn't know who he was. Uh, no, and uh, Gary Cahill. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. We saw him, so I was like, "Oh, that's him." I was like, "That's definitely him." And then he walked out of the restaurant, and then people stopped him for a photo. So I was like, "Oh, it's, it is definitely him." Um, and then she was like, oh, "You're so annoying because you say we're going to see some fans. You have, but I get these moments where I'll so say just, it. You should, ju- you should just say to Lisa, look, you know, I'm always right. Yeah, well, that's I've right, proved yeah, it yeah, now. Just, you just yeah. got to start listening yeah, to yeah. me more. We, we do have this joke. It's like I say it, and it happens, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm always right. <laughs> Amazing. But so I, I'm glad. I'm moment. glad you had a good holiday, yeah. albeit it was a little bit testing. Yeah, no, um, it was it was great holiday. So crazy, man, crazy. Adds look, to the stories. Nation. Why don't we why don't we have a chat about progressive overload? Yeah. I don't know if there's a link. Is it increased stress over time? I don't yeah. know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But we, we we wanted to have a chat about yeah. um this is a proper training discussion yeah. as opposed to going off on nutrition and other aspects. This is purely in the gym and it's a topic that um we hold as a key principle of training and many, many people that understand how to train for strength and muscle development yeah. need to understand progressive overload. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about what that is, mm-hmm. Bryn, and um, give a, an idea of how you progressively overload. So yeah. what it is and how you do it. And let's just see where this conversation goes with the intent that people are more, de- more consciously deliberate when they go into the gym. Yeah. Because let me let me kind of tell you the alternative. The alternative is you go in the gym and do random stuff mm-hmm. and you forget what weights you've done the last time. So when you go onto the same machine, whatever the machine is or whatever the thing is you're doing, you're kind of having to go by memory. Like, did I do this? I didn't I do this? And how many reps? Well, I do as many as I can do. And you take a very haphazard approach. Yeah. That's one way, which the randomness alone is going to suggest you're not going to make a lot of progress. Or... You get a program written by you, whether it be you know an introductory session at the gym, or you actually mm-hmm. go and get a PT, and he runs you a three, four day program. You've got to follow these exercises per day. But again, you do it. You turn up every day, and you're you're trying to remember what you done last week. Yeah. And intent is just to get the work done. That again can elicit some some changes in your body, especially if you're new. Yeah. But it comes a point yeah, when if you want to continue to make progress. Mm-hmm whether it be, you know, continue to lift more weight and get stronger or change your body physique, you're going to need to take your intent more seriously. You're going to have to go into the gym and find a way in which to improve upon last week's effort. So there's a few things you need to do to be able to do that. But I wanted the discussion to be specifically around that, which is taking a haphazard or random approach to going to the gym and doing exercises you've been told to do or randomly making them up. Um, but how do you do that in a way which is actually making progress week on week? Yes. So why don't we talk about what progressive overload is 
at the outset how would you describe it yeah so uh, so you're quite right yeah it's, it, you go into the gym you do random stuff we've all been there i've been there going to the gym same. do random workouts and you don't remember what you did last week and you just end up hitting the same sort of reps same kind of weight week on week and your body just doesn't change um so or you go overload, or you go by fill you just go okay yeah. i think it was 12 plates yeah and let me just see how many i can do exactly yeah so by planning progressive overload, um, well, what progressive overload is, is adding stress or more and more stress on your body over a gradual period of time, right? So the more stress you apply to your body over time, the more it's going to have to adapt, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when I learned this principle myself, then I started to see changes within my body because let's say I'm doing, let's just use bicep curls as an example. If I'm bicep curling, eight reps at 20 kilograms, three sets of eight, 20 kilograms. And I'm doing that for months on end. Yeah, to begin with, I'll probably elicit some change. But then yep. after a while, my body will adapt and it will get used to that stress. And then my body no longer has to change, right? It, it doesn't have to because it can do it. Because Im imagine, imagine, for example, your body continue to change yeah. with the same stimulus. We'd all be massive. Mm, right exactly. we'd, well, we'd yeah. all be these like uh, you know these these massive henchmen yeah, yeah. who can just about move their arms because Hulk. every every time you lift some weight your body's gonna no it doesn't work like no. that your body changes it physiology it's physiology mm. based on whether the demands of your environment yeah are beyond the capacity you already have exactly that's the concept right yeah. so if your if your activities match your current conditioning there's no need to change yeah it's when your environment and the, the pressures on the things that you do in your life are beyond your existing capacity. Mm -hmm. Your body's going to have to reach that reach for something stronger, bigger yeah. to be able to accommodate what it anticipates to be a new normal. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, does that, that make, does yeah, that kind of describe it? Well, exactly. Yeah. So uh, kind of what you're saying, like in, in layman's terms, in simple terms, like to do a bicep curl, three sets of eight, 20, if you now do three sets of nine, then you've just increased the, the reps that you're doing, um, during that session, your body's going to have to change in order to be able to do that. Right. Or you'd increase the load. So you'd increase, um, from 20 kilograms to 25 kilograms, but however you do it, uh, which, which we're going to explain we'll in a minute, in a sec, yeah. um, there's just many ways of progressively stressing the body over time in yeah. order to elicit that change that we need to make a positive positive change on our body, right? To totally agree. I would, I would go one step further and say there's actually an equation that helps describe progressive overload. What many say progressive overload is in the context of strength train training, and actually for most modalities of training where you're trying to have an ad adaptation, your body's trying to change, is you're trying to increase volume mm. um, constantly. And volume in the strength game is the weight times the reps times the sets mm -hmm. given a given workout and if and potentially the frequency in which you do that during yeah. the course of the week. But ultimately, it's weekly volume. So say, I don't know, you, you, do, you do one day where you end up doing 20 sets of various exercises. And if you were to take all those sets with all the reps that you've done in those sets and yep. how much weight you lifted for each of those exercises, and you multiplied all that together, that will give you a total kilogram weight. Mm -hmm. And say you lifted four and a half thousand kilograms in one session, which is something I could do easily, right? Yep. That's, that's, that's a train. It sounds like a massive amount of weight, but you're doing that through lots of reps and sets. So that training session, you lifted four and a half 
thousand kilograms. The intent is when you then next do that training session, you're looking to go beyond four and a half thousand kilograms mm, across yeah. all that workout yeah. you've done. And you don't necessarily have to be specific and say it has to be across each each exercise mm-hmm. and each time I do it. But how can I make some incremental improvement? So my total volume for that workout and, yeah. and the week is higher than it was previously. And if you do that, you know, at a general and systemic level, your body now has to respond to an increased level of stress and pressure. Yeah. And it does that through hypertrophy adaptation and strength development exactly so it's increased volume which is set sorry weight times reps times sets exactly yeah. and, and and i think a lot of people fall into the trap of when it comes to progressive overload only increasing the load and not the sets or the reps right which is what i've done yeah many a time exactly yeah. so you see it all the time in the gym and i've done it as well where we you go in and the only progression that you'll make is lifting more weight yeah and yeah, I mean, that works. That is one of the variables in order to progressively overload. Probably the best but variable. Yeah, it's one, you know, but then again, you might be looking as an endurance athlete, you might be looking at um, other ways of progressively overloading, um, yet you're only progressive overloading through weight. And that doesn't really carry over as well as it could do as if you were to use another variable of, of terms of progressive overload right yeah does that agreed. make sense right agreed no so, it's, it's almost the interference effect yeah. right it'd be antagonistic to your goal yeah to just continue to lift more weight but yeah. how could you move more volume yeah the so volume is not the same as weight sounds the same yeah it's very different exactly yeah. so it's like what stress can i apply on my body in order to elicit the change that i need for my goal yeah and that's obviously what we're going to cover today is what what are those stresses that you can place on your body in order to elicit that change right um and then picking the right one and only picking one of them at a time this is another um problem that i used to have myself um i would try too many different um ways of trying to progressively progressively overload right so i would add load so i'd increase the weight then i'd increase the reps or i might increase the sets as well so i'm trying to add too much volume in a single session rather than just increasing the load or just increasing the reps or just increasing like an extra set i agree i agree it's easy to get um carried away yeah and a bit overzealous and perhaps your ego's taken over and you want to make a sizable improvement from yeah. last week. You know, you want to stick another, another two, 10, two 10K plates on the bar just because why not? You know, people watching and I'm, <laughs> I'm, up, I'm up for it. I'm G'd up. Down. The reality is that that, that weight um, increment yeah. is quite a lot of extra weight. And if you're a newbie and you was only really pissing about for two weeks prior, you might be able to tolerate that rapid increase in overall weight on the bar mm-hmm. but when you start once you train for a few months you, you can't expect to no. put on 20k on a bar on any lift because yeah. you're reaching those limits now now it's you're looking you know i might put fractional plates on and that's a win well that's you know, the thing isn't it like, i might i might stick one game. kilogram on the bar and yeah, yeah. it sounds ridiculous but it's it's harder it yeah. is i can feel it's harder yeah and it's eliciting a little bit of change so it's amazing what those little bad boys can do right let's those... talk let's talk through what we, we've actually listed six um, different variables which yeah. contribute to volume increasing. Mm-hmm. And again, progressive overload is more volume um, from week to week, from exercise, from, from workout to workout. So if you increase the volume, you're putting more pressure on the system, the system has to change. Yeah. The muscles need to grow, you need to get stronger. 
And those six variables are, and probably in, in this kind of order, uh, more weight, mm -hmm. more reps for a given set, more sets for a given exercise, perhaps increased frequency of that exercise that you're selecting. So instead of only doing it once a week, maybe doing it multiple times a week. Time under tension, which is the ability to slow down the, the movement mm -hmm. to elicit greater mechanical stress. And six, your form. Yeah. And they're all important, but probably stack ranked in order we've said. So let's yeah. hit these. Some of these are really obvious. So the first one, weight. Yeah. Right. I think that instinctively makes sense to everyone, right? Yeah. You see someone who's massive and he's bench pressing, I don't know, 180 kilograms. Yeah. And you go, okay, that's, he got to that point and that's the reason his body looks the way it does, right? Yeah. You know, he's jacked because he's able to lift that and that's hard work and he's done that deliberately. I get that. You want, if you, if you can lift more, you're going to be bigger. Yeah. Generally speaking. Yeah. Generally speaking. So I don't think we need to over egg the point of no. extra weight, but there are some kind of tips around how to think about adding more weight. And we kind of spoke about it a little bit. So when you think about progressively overloading by increasing weight, mm -hmm. one, do you think it's achievable to progress the weight forever and, and at the same rate? And two, if not, how right. would you how would you how would you think about that? So do you think it's an ever ending increase, a linear increase of weight you can lift from week to week? And that's that's do, that, you, do you think no no possible? well that's it would be amazing if it was <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that's the, the question right so if we could then we would just keep adding load and we would be you start squatting. you start 100 pounds on a bar and yeah. within a year you'll be at 500 by exactly. adding five five pounds every week yeah and and like you say be the, amazing the higher up the spectrum you get when it comes to strength the slower it becomes um but it, it also can stall so it gets to a point where you're maxing out really what you genetically can lift if you have done it over you know 20 years let's say so you can't always keep adding weight you can technically speaking you can you know change your technique and tips and things like that but you just can't keep adding weight week on week on week on week sometimes you get to a point where you might have to use other variables in order to progress um because you will just hit that, that yeah. ceiling so and, and yeah. just speaking from personal anecdote um I like to lift heavy. Yeah. Um, I like to make progress. And I believe weight for me is the the most important variable. So wherever possible, it's an ego boost. It's a it's an encouraging sign that I'm getting stronger if I can lift more weight. So, you know, whenever, whenever I'm squatting or I'm bench pressing or I'm deadlifting or I'm doing any other exercise for that matter, you know, it's a nice, you know, tap, you know, a tap on the back and a sense of progress if i've been able to put more weight on yeah. and do the exercise well, so properly I, for you i think what i what i notice is that i think that you find that quite a motivating metric to yeah, absolutely to is, man. use as a tool to use as to progress because um, it's the most real people. right it's, it's there's no subjectivity yeah. about it right if i started my journey of trying to develop my body and i don't know i was squatting 60k and i'm now squatting 150k that for me is a very real, measurable and visceral kind of reaction to yeah. that. I, I get excited about the journey that I've gone on. Yeah. You know, part of that's just been able to do the movement better, but there's a lot of strength gain there too. So let's not discount weight is an incredible variable and it's 
highly correlated to the size of your body. Yeah. Right? Someone who can deadlift 400 kilograms or 300 kilograms, they're going to be a beast. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Eddie Hall. <laughs> um, but weight and the, the, the point, the kind of rhetoric question I was asking you was, mm-hmm. it is unex, unex, unrealistic to expect to continue to match your newbie gains for the first, in the first three to six months of properly strength training, you'll see your strength skyrocket. Yeah. I actually think that is more a function of practice and skill development and muscle recruitment and just yeah. doing the movement right yeah. and feeling more confident and comfortable yeah, more doing efficient, it definitely. than it is pure strength gain. Yeah. But you've absolutely gained a bunch of strength and you'll, you'll see that you can you can stack on extra weight almost every week and it feels like this never-ending um, cycle of adding, as I say, five or 10 pounds to the bar every week. And you're yeah. like, this is incredible. And you start to fall into this full sense of security that this yeah. will last forever. Yeah. And then you get to the point where it slows down and then more likely it stops. Yeah. Like, or even regresses. You go in there and like trying yeah, to do yeah, what I'd done weaker, last week yeah. and I can't do it again. Yeah. Like I must have, you know, maybe I just had a good day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I can't seem to get it out at the right, the right kind of movement. Yeah. So I think you need to think about weight realistically, which is when you're new, you can see a steady progress, a linear progress. That linear line starts plateauing. And then you're going to have to think about other means for breaking through those strength plateaus. And there's yeah. things that we've discussed previously, but you'll start to sl- slow down and or stop. So when you stop mm-hmm. or when the the variable of weight becomes intolerable, I if you put a little bit more weight on you, yeah, you can move the bar, but the form turns to shit. Mm. Like you're all over the place. You're crumpling under the, under the bar if you're squatting. Your knees are caving in, maps. Or if you're bench pressing, the bar's moving all over the place. You're just about struggling to get off your chest. Yeah. You know, there's so many signs that you're lifting above your capacity. Mm-hmm. When you get to that point, it's going to get frustrating if your only variable is weight. So yeah. then what do you go to? Well, then you would look at reps and and that's increasing your reps, right? So like I said earlier, if you're doing three sets of eight on the bicep curl, you might do three sets of nine now. Or you might do your first set. Uh, set of nine reps and then eight reps, eight reps. Next week, you might do nine reps, nine reps, eight reps. And then the following one, you might do nine, 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 right? So you can add a rep to each set over time. Um, And I actually use increased reps as a form of progressive overload with newer clients that aren't efficient, like newbie train you know people that are quite new to weight training. They're not very effective in their movement. Because they're not very effective in the movement um, and they just can't, have that level of intense output as an intermediate or an advanced lifter can. Mm-hmm. So like weight, increasing weight would probably be more for the, you're, although you're going to see increase in your weight as you get stronger as a newbie, I would recommend using that metric more if you're intermediate to an advanced and if strength is mostly your your main focus, also bodybuilding. But reps is a better way to go if you're new to training. It's still good for intermediate and advanced lifters but what i'm trying to say is who it's best suited to mostly when you especially when you first start training um just because it's an easy way to progress right if if like i said you're hitting eight reps and you add an extra rep it's not too much you're you're still using the same weight and you grind out that extra rep as long yeah. as you're not your form's not going to shit as long can, and and look progress is progress it is progress yeah as long as you can match that and do more the following yeah and again weight and reps aren't 
the only two variables. But one thing I'll say about reps that I think, you know, you and I both use and we've used in my programming for a long time. Yeah. Is to have a rep range yeah. for a given given phase of your training. So I don't know, let's go go back to the bench press. Um and we want to do classic strength training, which means that you're you're lifting four to six reps, thereabouts. You know, it's it's a spectrum, but thereabouts. You're looking at that kind yeah. of rep range. So most people think four to six, I'm gonna do six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which if you can easily do six, then put more weight on the bar. Yeah. And as you put more weight on the bar, you might not be able to do six again. That isn't failure. Yeah. If you can only do four, that's still progress. So that, what that means is you now have to get accustomed to that new weight, which is pushing you out your bound, yeah. out of your comfort zone. And it might take you a few weeks before you can use that same weight to get back to six. Yeah. But if you work within that window, in this case, four to six reps, and you work within it. So if you try and overstretch and you try and put too much weight on the bar and you can only mm-hmm. do two reps, you put too, mo- too much weight on the bar. Yeah. Lower it down so you can get four to six. Exactly. And anywhere between four and six is a, is a result. Yeah. Now, if you can then, as you say, going up a little bit more weight, their form turns to shit, keep the weight the same, you're now at four, you then go to five. Mm-hmm. From five, then you then can, then next week you can, can progress to six reps across your sets. At which point, if you can easily and comfortable, if you can consistently do six reps, not easily, consistently, now is the time to perhaps go back to the weight yeah. and consider an, an, an extra bit of weight because you're now accustomed to that six, put a tiny little bit more on. Maybe it's only a kilogram or two kilograms. And now maybe that drops your reps back down to four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's progress. That, I think, is a really neat, yeah. flexible way to use reps because what you don't want to do is go from eight reps on the bicep curl to nine. Yeah. Next week, 10. And then 11. Going, then 12. Going. Then 13. One that that doesn't last forever there's no yeah. way you're going to do like 50 bicep curls yeah. um, well, you, you, but and, and also it's not productive it's yeah. not in support of the goal which for most people is developing their biceps but the you would go you want to stick within the 8 to 12 that's yeah exactly it's the same um as we said with weight you know you can't expect it to keep going forever um because you will hit the ceiling at some point right so what you would do you'd carry over what you just said about strength training four to six reps when you hit that ceiling of six reps you would add more weight but then obviously the the repetitions will naturally be lower right for what you can you would expect yeah same with the reps like if i'm doing biceps usually because i'm doing an isolation um exercise it's more bodybuilding hypertrophy work um, i would work usually between eight to twelve reps which is the the common exactly expected kind of yeah bodybuilding rep range exactly so then you do a weight and you go okay well i can do eight reps so then you'd add more reps right next session add more reps the session after that as long as your form's good and you can do it right until you hit that ceiling of 12 reps. And then, like you said, you'd add more weight and then you'd obviously drop yeah. back down. So you can, you can carry you this over, can't you? don't need to, to go to 12 reps. I mean, if you do eight reps and it feels easy and then you go again, you've now just done 10. That, for me, if, if within the same training session you can jump up so quickly, probably the weight's a little bit too low. Yeah. So just load up a little bit more weight on, uh, you know, lift slightly heavy dumbbells and work within your range. Eight, I think, is a great number. 10 is a great number. If you're going 11 or 12, you, you're now reaching a point where, yeah, you really got to start thinking about maybe I can lift more. Maybe I can get, I can grind out eight good ones as opposed to do yeah. 12. Yeah. But th- that's really the, the, how I think about reps is work within your rep range yeah. for your goal, yeah. which is either to b- develop strength, um, not exclusively, but as your predominant goal or yeah. to develop 
you know, uh, muscle size as your primary goal. And those yeah. two have different rep ranges, work within those and work with the weights. Those two variables, I think most people, as they kind of work their head around that, it's like, that makes sense. Yeah. I can do that. What else have we got? Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're looking at sets, so increasing sets. So let's say you're doing um, three sets of six reps, then you might add an extra set in. So you might do four sets of six. And when would so, you do that? So would, would, this isn't this is number three because I think it it should be number three on mm -hmm. the list. Weight then reps, the yeah. things, the two variables you're going to work with the most. Yeah. But when do you introduce another set? Is it because neither of those two things you feel you can move? I mean, well, yeah. When in your mind is a good time to stick another set on? Yeah, usually if, you, if you're if you reaching, when you get to the point where you're at capacity with the weight you're lifting and the reps that you're lifting, and you don't really want to increase those anymore, um, then you'd add in an extra set. So then you're, you're breaking it down where you get enough rest in between to allow you to do that extra yeah. set, right? So you get um, quality sets in. So you get in. quality yeah. sets in, right? So you're breaking it down. Then at the end of the session, the total volume that you've lifted per session it's gonna is be much a lot greater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that's when it's a good time to put it in. So um, it's again, it's just another way of adding in extra volume, right? Um, so you don't have to... You, it doesn't mean you have to wait until you can't lift any more weight or any more reps you could to, do it. to do that. You could actually do it whenever you want. You could do really. it whenever you want, right? If um, you feel that you've got the capacity to stick another set in, yeah. it's not going to be counterproductive. I guess, what's what's the... Why do people not go to loads more sets all the time? One, there is a overall kind of energy capacity yeah. you have available to do heavy lifting, right? Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't think of anything worse than doing 10 sets of squats, heavy squats. They're really <laughs> fucking awful. Have you ever done German volume training? Ooh, no, I, I, and I couldn't. I, I really don't, for me, I don't think that's the kind of thing that I'd enjoy. Yeah. So the max I've, I've ever done in set volume yeah. is six, and that was really high. Mm -hmm. It was lower, lower rep work. It was like three or four reps, but it was high. Yeah. You know, I typically do three or four sets, and that feels good to me. I'll go to five if I have to. But... One, it's how much energy, how much capacity do you have to get quality sets in? And you will generally fatigue and worsen yep. through the more sets you do. And then the second thing is time. Mm -hmm. Like if you're doing hard work with a rest period of two to three minutes between so your body can recover ready for the next set, it's just going to take a really long time if you keep adding sets. Yeah. So one, you might not be able to, and two, you know, you've got to get out of the gym at some point. Yeah, exactly. You know but it has, it has merit where yeah. n neither reps nor weight feels like it's an adjustable metric yeah a variable and this might be another way to go do you know what i just want to want to know i've done a little bit more i can, I can do a bit more let's do another set even yeah. if that set is maybe with a little lower weight yeah that still adds value well, that's more, still volume. more volume yeah and, and and the other thing as well if you think about let's say you're squatting 70 kilograms for three sets of 10 reps to keep it simple next session you do um four sets of 10 and then the next cycle because that's why you periodically um, change your program is that the next um, phase of your program you might up the weight but go back down to three reps again and then add, add three an extra reps. set yeah sorry not reps sets right yeah so yeah. yeah so let's say let's say i'm back squatting 100 kilograms and i'm doing three sets of 10 and then i go next session four sets of 10 um then when that phase of of training blocks and mesa cycle is over my new program my new phase comes in I then got to 105 kilograms 
for three sets of 10. Yeah. And then I do four sets of 10 and then, and so on. So many different but ways you again, can play with a system, but yeah, it's a, a variable if you're struggling with reps. It's a tool to use, exactly. And, and and again, it's not something that you want to keep. None of these are the things that you want to keep adding. So you obviously don't want to keep adding weight forever. You don't want to keep adding reps forever um, because eventually you'll get to a point where you, you're just doing too much of it's got to be within your range. Yeah. And like you say, if you keep adding sets, you'll never get out of the gym. Yes. But, but you know, the most important thing in this discussion is weight isn't the only variable yeah. to consider when yeah. it comes to progressive overload. So we've done weight reps and sets. We've got three more. Yeah. Um, they're, they're a little less obvious, but, um, a couple are quite profound. Mm -hmm. The next one we've got on the list. Number four is frequency. Yeah. What do we mean by frequency? We mean, I don't know, maybe you've got a program that has you bench pressing once a week. So it's a four-day program, and it's a bit of a bro split. You know, you've got chest and shoulders, you've then got, I don't know, back and biceps, then you've got, you know, legs, and then you've got something else, I don't know. Abs. Abs, there we go, ab day. <laughs> <laughs> um, with that, you're, you're, whatever, whatever you're doing on that day one, that chest day, yeah. Monday, chest day. Yeah, <laughs> international, right? Exactly. Whatever you're doing in that, say the volume is, I don't know, for argument's sake, uh, 2,000 kilograms of total volume, which is yeah. weight times reps times sets. You're doing 2,000 and then, you know, one way to one and two and three ways to progress that is weights, reps and sets during that one session you have that you do once a week. However, you could also consider increasing the volume by just adding in another chest day mm -hmm. or adding chest work into your subsequent sessions. Mm -hmm. Now, what I'm not saying is you can do chest every day and have pay no price um, for inadequate recovery. I believe there is sufficient time needed for the body to be ready to go lift again, especially if you're going maximal intensity, really hard, train to failure work. It would be inappropriate to say you can do that every day yeah. and not suffer some consequence, whether it be injury or general fatigue or maybe even a, a down spiral in your strength. Mm -hmm. That being said, Doing bench press only once a week is probably, as you start to develop and you start to move out of your newbie phase of development, it's probably going to be inadequate. Why? One, you're only getting to practice that movement once a week. Two, as you continue to play the volume game, some of those sets and reps are going to become lower quality. Um, and three, there's many scientific studies over the last few years that are laying claim to the more frequently you can do a certain exercise, mm -hmm. uh, the faster your strength gains will develop as long yeah. as you respect the fact that they're, you know, the intensity needs to be appropriate so you can do the frequency that we're suggesting. Yeah. So what wouldn't make sense is to go, you know, to failure, high intensity, sh you know, chest day, do that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, it's, it's a surefire way, I think, for bad things to happen. Burnout, injury. But, yeah, you could lower day one or yeah, say lower the intensity of day one by 30%, which means you've got the capacity to recover a little bit faster and you can do something a little bit similar on day the third day of the week. Yeah, Maybe you do the same on the fifth day of the week mm -hmm. and you add in maybe three sets of six or eight bench press into every one of your sessions, just creating a little bit of distance between them. That extra frequency of training is going to increase skill development. It's going to increase volume, obviously. Um, it's going to get you more practice in and you're going to get better overall quality of sets. So it's something to consider. I wouldn't say you have to go for that 
hammer and tong up front mm -hmm. if you're still getting to grips with the concepts and the gains of strength development for a newbie but as you start to want more yeah a good way to get more in is to do more as long yeah. as you space the workouts and create the right level of intensity so you're not exactly. fatiguing yourself and if you think about it another thing to think about with frequency as well is that the you get your best bang from for your buck with the bigger lifts right with the compound lifts usually um over sort of flies and things like that they're they're great supplemental exercises isolation exercise they're great but if you do chest day on monday the international day right and you do your compound lift which was your you know your barbell bench press and then you do loads of like supplemental isolation exercises on one day and then you don't do that again until the next monday mm. yeah you got in a good amount of volume on that one day but if you were to split your, like you're saying, your bench press, sorry, your chest day to three days, day one, day three, day five, but then that will allow you to do three compound lifts on your chest and you're going to get more bang for your buck because then you can do three actual bench yeah. bench press um, sessions in yeah. rather than loads of isolation work. So you're going to get more for your money when it I, comes I to work in there. I thought you was going to say split your compound from your accessory work, um, which is another way to do it. I mean, we're not necessarily saying you have to increase volume. I mean, if it's more convenient for you that you split chest into two sessions, yeah. uh, the volume is still the same, but you're just doing two sessions instead of one. There's actually a little bit of merit in that. Yeah. Science is suggesting that just skill development alone yeah. is probably enough to kind of continue to garner benefit. Yeah. But yeah, weight, reps and sets. And then when you start to exhaust those, can you get another chest day in or can you get another squat day in? Yeah. In a way which, again... You've got to respect your body. You can't hammer it every day and expect you to just be invincible. There's good, there's a price to pay if you don't allow for recovery. But if you space your workouts properly and you you gauge the intensity to match the recovery time you've got available, yeah. you can get more volume in that way. I think it's a good way to do it. Train hard, recover harder. How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> just try. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've got frequency. The number five is time under tension. So talk, talk to me about why you think this is valuable for progressive overload. Um, so obviously, if you're if you're lifting a let's say you're doing overhead press um, and you're just going for one second up, one second down on the movement, if we were to slow that down on the way down, the eccentric of the movement, you're going to be doing one second up, two seconds down. Then you've just added more stress. You've added more time under tension. So your mm -hmm. body's going to have to work harder in order to, to slow that weight down, right? Um, so that's just another way of adding that extra time um, and, and is more it, is stress it on the body. valuable, do you think, in, in the concept of progressive overload? Do you think it it is? Yeah. Whilst, whilst the volume is the same, right? Because yeah. time under tension doesn't feature in the volume equation. Mm -hmm. You believe it still is increasing the overall demand of the body, which I agree, by the way. It yeah, is. Yeah. It is, right? If, have you ever done slow eccentric barbell curls they're horrible they're them. fucking horrible they're killer right you get get a z bar or something and you do three seconds down yeah and uh it's horrible i, I hate it the burn that lactic acid burn that you yeah. get in your biceps is horrendous well that is that, that that's hard and yeah. it's hard and it, me, the harder it is it means the more your body's gonna have to respond to that level of work so i do think time and attention is a useful variable yeah. 
but probably not something you can easily manage when you're at your maximal lifts because I don't think you've got the capacity to no. do a maximal bench press and do a three second eccentric. I think you're probably not going to get a bar no. back up. So but if you lowered right? the weight a bit yeah. and then increase the time under tension, it's another way of keeping form good and getting a good enough stimulus. Well, like we've done in the past, like pause reps. So like you say, you lighten the load that you're lifting, but then you're increasing the time on attention. Yeah. So you drop, so you you might lower down slower on the way down the eccentric, or you might pause, like I just said, pause squat at the bottom. So you go to the bottom and you hold it for, you know, two to three seconds before returning back up again. Um, so yeah, although the and, and load that, has that, to come down. And that, that, by the way, is a great tip because that's not actually when you put when you do pause squats at the bottom i don't think it's whilst it is increased time under tension to a degree you're not actually working that hard at the bottom mm. do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. you're not actually lifting you're 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 resting with a bit of bracing of course but you're resting for the most part but you take the momentum out of the equation which mm -hmm. means that going up again is a lot harder so you've now increased it theoretically you're lifting more because yeah. you don't have that rebound effect that exactly. might take 10 kilograms off the bar. Yeah. You're not having to lift that up from a standing start. And that feels harder and is harder and, and will be more demand on the body. Exactly. And then indirectly, that helps to um, increase your, your top numbers on your strength, right? Because you're learning how to control and hold that position right at the bottom of the squat, usually where it's hardest, right? Because if you, if you're, if you're going to miss a rep, it's usually at the bottom when you're starting to come back up yeah. and you go, oh, I can't do it. So that's our weakest point. So if we get good with a lighter load, we get good at that bottom position, holding that position, fighting for position, keeping everything tight and braced. Um, and then you take all momentum out. So it's, it's strict strength. There's zero momentum. You'll notice that when you do go back up on weight and you don't do the pause squats, you will actually find that they are a little bit easier. I so, agree. It's, yeah, it's definitely it, worked it's for me. It's just another tool, right? To, definitely to... worked for me. And and that that is more of a a tactic to continue to make progress. Mm -hmm. But it's viable if if that's its intent, yeah. right? If if what it ends up doing is it somehow lowers the 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 volume, weight times reps times sets because you've lowered the weight. Mm -hmm. you might think actually I'm going backwards, but in actual fact, one, you're spending more time under tension and two, you're developing your weak area of a lift. Yeah. So then when you do return back to not doing pull squats, as you say, if there's a carryover, now you can move and break through that plateau, that kind of stagnant position where you've not been able to lift more weight because yeah. now you've improved the weakest part of your exactly. lift. Yeah. That is progressive overload. So that's a go. viable strategy. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Right, final one. Final one. So um, the last one is form. Um, so form, what do we mean? Technique, right? So if you improve your technique, you're therefore going to put more stress on, let's say, that muscle group. So for an example, if you're doing a shoulder press with dumbbells and you're arching your back, because you're arching your back, you're not really doing a shoulder press. You're now doing an incline bench press. So you're using, using your chest. Your chest, right? So, And that may not have been the intent of that intent of the intent exercise. Of the exercise yeah. But if you're lifting too heavy because you've gone up too much on the weight to progress, um, well, actually, the better way to progress would be drop the weight and then get your back flat 
So you're pushing vertically straight up and actually using your shoulders and that'll put more stress on the shoulders and therefore equal more uh, mass gain and strength on totally, the shoulders, right? Totally agree. So form is, is quite important when you want to progressively overload a specific muscle group or just your body in general. If, you're, if your squats and you've got better form and you've got more control and you're not dropping and bouncing at the bottom, you're going to find that your, your, um, the stress throughout that exercise is much greater. Oh, think about it this way, you know, a, a classic is bicep curls. Mm -hmm. Bicep curls, when they're too heavy, what do, what do people do? There, there's a swing, there's well, a swing back. momentum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's there's the kind of like, a, as you say, like almost like a pendulum-like swing of their upper torso to try and lift it up. Yeah. And they typically kind of start to draw their shoulder down towards the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just the, the way up to the, yeah. the shoulder. They kind of do whatever they can to make that movement. Yeah. What's happening? Your body, your body's a beautiful thing, right? It, it wants to help you out. Yeah. So if the stress becomes um, too much, too great, mm -hmm. and there's fear of injury or some form of reaction, your body's going to start to elicit other parts of your, your body to support mm -hmm. So, like, if you're doing, I don't know, if... Um, well, if, if you're swinging in that bicep curve, if you think about it, you're probably using your lower back and then you're using... You might be getting your, some quads in as well. Quads, like. yeah. and, and the front of your, your deltoids, front of your shoulders, where you're you're actually now using your shoulders exactly. to get out. And you're, and you're bracing your stomach. You're doing everything. You Like, the whole body's now kicked into gear. Yeah. And it might look awful, and it will look awful. Um, but now you're you're doing a full body exercise. You're no longer doing an isolation exercise. Maybe run to something here. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do bad form bicep goals as a compound a means lift. To work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the whole body. But no, it, it it's it's a surefire way of potentially call, causing back injuries yeah. if you're swinging like that and shoulder injuries. And yeah, you could even tear bicep tendons if you're you're putting that much pressure on there. And then you're not working and you're not putting the stress that you you're aiming to put on the biceps exactly. because you're you're bypassing the biceps. So it, as soon as you work on form, then suddenly your biceps now have great stress on them, which means that there's greater um overload on that muscle, right? Think about a deadlift as well. A deadlift should have a for the best part a a you know, a flat back and you should be hip hinging and that back should remain flat from the mm -hmm. bottom all the way to the as you stand up you know shoulders back and down and keeping that tightness on the upper and lower back so it's completely straight yeah now you can get a little bit of flex in there but for the most part the straighter the better it means that everything's activated and working as soon as your shoulders start um shrugging or they start kind of like hunching over to lift the bar up something's being compromised and what your body's doing in that instance is your body's trying to l reduce the range of motion. And it by you hunching, you are lowering, uh, you are decreasing the amount of bar um, distance, mm. right? Because, because obviously if higher. you're upright, yeah. it's going to go slightly higher. If you're hunched, it doesn't have to go up as high. So your body instinctively wants to help you out of tricky situations and it will do whatever it can if you haven't got the requisite strength that you intended to use because you gotta remember your body doesn't want to progressively overload so it'll do everything in its power not to and then you've got to do everything in your power to do to fight it exactly yeah. so I, I don't think form is a necessarily a form of progressive overload in as much as it should be something you should always respect mm. it should always be present yeah it should always be an intent that every exercise you're working within your technical 
um, failure. You're, you're working within pre-technical failure. That's what mm -hmm. I meant to say. Yeah. So every rep is done as expected. And as soon as it starts breaking down, you know you've reached technical failure. You've gone too far, whether it's too much, too many reps, too, too many, too much weight. And you should work within that tolerance. You've got to drop the ego and work within the correct form because yeah. it means you can isolate and work the muscles as you intend mm -hmm. and limit the chance of injury. That being said, when you start reaching those ends of your you know, strength potential as it currently stands and you start seeing form break down, I think it's a great time to then say recenter back on form and use that as a variable and say, okay, now, now my focus is maintaining my form. So maybe I'm going to take a little bit weight off, but I'm going to do six perfect deadlifts where I can lift as heavy as I can, but I keep things strong. Mm -hmm. That for me is progressive because yeah. it then means that you're re you're recentering on form. You're allowing to put that as a priority. And then the next time you go, you then you, you start to lift back to those new heights mm -hmm. with a better appreciation for form. Because yeah. when you start slipping form out as a means to make progress, and then you get used to bad form as a means to lift, you forget. You think this is the new normal, mm. right? Lifting like this is the way I should lift when I bench press, right? Yeah. The bar's all over the place is fine. This is what you do. It isn't what you do. You've allowed yourself to regress and you've not allowed yourself any space to work on form because all your work is done yeah. at a point where you can't maintain correct form. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think form's always important, whether it's progressive overload or not. And, and then like say, um, but yeah, I, <clears throat> in turn, it becomes progressive overload and as you help to create more tension in the body. It's something actually that I coach quite a lot is uh, whole body tension. So trying to get the whole body, let's say you're doing a plank, for instance, someone's most people in gyms around, you know, commercial gyms that you see, someone that's an untrained individual um, doing a plank, you usually see their hips dropping, you can see their belly sort of pushing out because they're not bracing their abs. And um, yeah, you know, it might be hard, but you can hold it for a minute. But then if you get them to brace their quads, squeeze their glutes, brace their abs, grip the floor, like pull their elbows towards their feet and get, get the whole body tension, everything tight, your lats so are on. So much harder. And then if I try and push you, you're not going to go anywhere because you're 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 tight. You, you, That's a really good a lot point. Of tension. That's a completely different exercise. Yeah, man. it's a completely different yeah. exercise, right? And then I go, oh, I can only do it for 10 seconds. And I'm like, that's because you're now, you're, it's harder, right? Mm. And then you can increase that. That's the new norm now. That should be the new norm. Um, and then get good at that. Increase, and then once you've increased you know, that's obviously your form. You've worked on your technique of how you do it. Then you might look at increasing the time as a, a means of progressive overload so you do it for longer. Um, but it's, it's it's just looking at form as a foundation, but realizing that it is also a form of a, a form overload. that is foundational, but it does break down. Yeah, and it's expected to break down. When you go to your your never attempted before back squat, which might only be another two kilograms two and a half kilograms of what you've done previously mm -hmm. um expect some form breakdown expect some knee caving perhaps or expect a slight you know lift of the of the hips before before the shoulders lift up expect some degradation of form as you reach for new heights mm -hmm. but don't don't expect that to be the normal mm. expect it to come anticipate it come in recognize it and then go okay I'm, I'm now breaking down so i'm at my limit now I need to keep doing that new limit until my form improves, unless 
generally I've just overstretched and there's no way my form can improve at that mm. weight. But that's that kind of needle you're trying to thread. You're trying to thread as close to perfect form with as much weight as possible and form will break down when you go too hard. Mm. But when you get to just too hard, it's still going to slightly break down and you just need to be yeah. mindful of that and keep it in check. Well, you know you're you're kind of hitting that red limiter when you're forward yeah. breaking down, right? So it's not that we're like recommending you go to that point necessarily, but it, it happens, right? If you're pushing your body to the point where it doesn't want to do it, you will tend to have some sort of technical breakdown because you are going beyond your comfort zone and what your body can handle. But that's usually where progressive overload happens. Exactly. Um, if, if you're scared of ever and never losing form, you'll never truly make, you'll never make the progress you want to make. Actually, that that's um, a mistake that I used to make um, maybe as close as last year, actually, um, being a bit of a form Nazi <laughs> where you, you shouldn't, your knee shouldn't cave in and, the, you know, Ideally, no, they sh it shouldn't happen. On a squat, you, your knees sh shouldn't be caving in. That's exactly, what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. If, you know, if you're a form Nazi, you never want these things to happen. You want everything to be perfect, form to be absolutely spot on. But then you never get anywhere because you're, you never push yourself. I agree, and, man. And although totally. you don't want to go beyond your red line and injure yourself, that's not what we're saying. But There's some form degradation when you uh, yeah. reach. Because otherwise... You, it's going to happen. Yeah, you don't You don't ever push yourself to the... And you and I place. had it... You, you said something to me that you know really resonated, which was expect perfection in your warm-up sets. You know, mm -hmm. do not tolerate bad form as you're warming up to your heavy, heavy lift. Yeah. And you should spend the time in your head when you're doing the light warm-ups actually looking and observing your movement. If you've got a mirror in front of you, you're looking at how you're moving. You're making sure everything's in the right place um, because you've got the space and mental capacity to be mindful of how you lift whilst you're lifting. Yeah. But as you reach those, those raw limits mm -hmm. uh, that have never been tested or they are just generally your upper limit, um, you have to kind of switch off an expectation to be observant of your technique because yeah. you've got to be all in on the movement. You've got to be all all in on moving that bar, however many times you want. Well, I remember, and, as... and that you need to pull away and say, "I'm going to lower my standard. I'm going to I'm going to be aware. I'm going to have some awareness mm -hmm. generally, right? I'm going to know if something goes terribly wrong, or I'm going to feel my knees go yeah. out, but I shouldn't be trying to correct it whilst I'm doing the set. Yeah, like you know, I'm in the bottom of my squat, and right? Oh, I've moved that knee there. Move this foot a little bit because pointed out too much. Yeah, yeah. Stand up a bit. No, I ain't got time to yeah. correct my movement well, I, when I've got 150k on my back. I just thing, have right? to do it. Now, I remember I was having that conversation when you were you were doing your. We worked into your heavier squats, and you were working probably like 85 percent, maybe more, at that point. And you're asking me, what shall I tweak? What shall I this and that? And although it's good to be observed, like I can observe from afar right yeah. as you're doing it and i can just say to you look just try this or try that but you're you're doing it and it was taking so much mental energy for you wasn't it whilst you were squatting with a heavy load and trying to feel what you're trying to cor course correct form in the moment correct it yeah and it's, it's too like much. Yeah. although it's a movement pattern that should already be ingrained like if you practiced it enough um during your non-heavy lifts then during your heavy lifts you should be fine until you reach the point of technical breakdown, right? Yeah. Um, but like you're saying, you don't want to try and correct your form necessarily. As long as you've got good form, you don't want to try and tweak it and correct it when you're lifting heavy because it's it, just... It just isn't. It's, it's just not productive, it's hard, right? right? Something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Cool, man. Listen, I think we've covered that extensively as always, yeah. but um, hopefully 
in a, in a valuable way. So progressive overload in summary is making progress, adding additional stress onto the body week in, week out across the exercises you've selected. It's really about adding more volume. Mm-hmm. That's the key metric when it comes to strength gains and hypertrophy gains. And volume is the weight times the reps times the sets, potentially times the frequency of doing those workouts. And then on top of that, you can consider frequency generally as a variable, as well as time under tension. And as we've just last spoke about form, um, I think that covers it, Bryn. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've worn that one out. Ready to do some heavy progressive overload, huh? Yeah, let's go. Cool. All righty, guys. And listen, um, Adaptation is all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to help you improve and optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. Thank you, guys. Cheers. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And, of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.